That smooth Christian jazz you're hearing means you've tuned in to Same Old Song, the lectionary podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. I'm your co-host, Aaron Zimmerman. I'll be joined by Jacob Smith as each week we break down the lectionary readings for the upcoming Sunday to give you something to think about, and if you're a preacher, to give you something to preach about, and no matter who you are, to give you a connection to the never-changing message of God's grace for actual people like you. Unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible carrying case and cover, pull up a chair, and let's dig in. Well, Jake, second Sunday of Easter, doubting Thomas, low Sunday as they say, all the crowds will have disappeared from Easter Sunday. You'll have hopefully taken a nap since then. But how are you? How do you usually feel by the time you get to Easter two? You know, Easter two, um, we do a number of things to kind of uh, mitigate the drop, if you will. You know, we have like a, a cash bonuses, yeah, something like that. Uh, but we uh, offer an indulgence at a real low price. But uh, we, um, Sweet. You know, we usually have some sort of kids event that happens on um, Easter two, like the kids choir sings. But um, it is. Uh, this can be a. This can be uh, a depressing Sunday for a lot of clergy. So, you know, here it is. They just the the numbers slightly swell, like they swelled for Easter, and then um, you come to Easter two, and it's like, oh, this is what it is. And so, but no, <laughs> but uh, no. I mean, I think I think it's great. But we, you know, this this particular episode we always dedicate to. Our favorite associates, because this is the Sunday where, you know, this is an associate or random lay leader. If you're just by yourself somewhere, they get to preach. And so uh, which random associate are you dedicating this episode to? It says they print that in the bulletin Uh, sermon, random lay leader, RLL. Sexton. That's right. That's right. Um, Poetry reading from T.S. Eliot (laughs) and Khalil Gibran. Not yeah. John Christostom's Easter Vigil sermon. <laughs> yeah, there are people. You know, we've we've had that here. Uh, not not recently. I think I think we have had. I can't try to remember. Anyways, I think maybe that's there's a Holy Saturday sermon that I think we have sometimes Ooh, read in beautiful. the past. Our Holy Saturday service. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, anyway. But this is we a, have baptisms like crazy on Easter too. Mm, so I don't know. If oh, that's what. See, we, that's a wonderful thing so. to do. We hold it off for yeah. a little bit because we have St. George's Day coming up. But I do always also want to encourage everybody to eat their peeps. Continue to eat the peeps and, <laughs> uh, you know, enjoy the chocolate. For the whole 50 days you of bet, Easter. You bet. You know, you've been fasting all of Lent. Let it go. That dye is good for you. Mm-hmm. It sure. That's a real natural yeah. yellow and pink color. Your intestines love nothing more than uh, marshmallow extract. <laughs> hey, shout out. I just recently was at a meeting and for some community leaders and uh, found out that there's some people there that are regular listeners. Mm. So, Melly Wycliffe, you're getting a shout out, as is Chris McSwain. Oh, what up? Amazing. So, thanks for listening. And I think we should shout out uh, one of our newest listeners, too, uh, David Grizzle, so, who is, um, you know, uh, newly mm. listening and excited about the same old song. So Yeah, you don't have to support us on Patreon or anything like that. We just, we just like you. Giving people. away the goods. Uh, giving away the goods. That's right, like the gospel. Well, let's uh, look at our readings for Easter 2. That's the second Sunday of Easter. I said Easter 2 in a meeting. They thought I meant Easter also. That's not <laughs> yeah. what I mean. I mean the second Sunday of Easter. So not Easter we got 2, Acts, 00. 
two, yeah. Uh, Acts chapter two, verse 14a, mm-hmm. skipping ahead, skipping verses 14 B, C, D, E, and E, and skipping verse 15, 16, 17, mm-hmm. 18. So we pick back up with verse 22 through 32. Then we have our epistle reading, the first letter of St. Peter, chapter one, verses three through nine. And then the gospel of John, chapter 20, verses 19 through 31, which is basically always the reading for this Sunday. And it's the it's the doubting Thomas, uh, unless I put my hand in his, my finger in his wounds, all that sort of stuff. So we'll come to that in a second. This, so, uh, yeah, go ahead, Jake. Well, I just want to say one of the co- connecting threads of all of these readings, all three of these readings, is the uh, historicity of Christianity. It is the idea that uh, Christianity rests on eyewitnesses. And uh, that is one of the um, underlying themes of all three uh, readings, whether you're preaching from Acts, whether you're preaching from 1 Peter, whether you're preaching from the Gospel of John. You can tie all three readings into the fact that they are rooted in the fact that our faith uh, rests upon the testimony of the apostles and what they Mm. saw, what they saw, what they heard, what they touched, they now proclaim to you. And so really that is what's going on here in uh, our opening reading from Acts chapter 2. Yeah, so this is after uh, Pentecost, and Peter is now filled with the Holy Spirit, so he's empowered to preach, unlike when he couldn't even admit that he knew who Jesus was. It's amazing what 50 uh, days of a resurrection will do to a man, ooh, and a little tell Holy you Spirit. What. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's what's cool. Like, if your people in your congregation come to the Good Friday readings, or Monday Thursday, or um, the reading of the Passion uh, for... Um, Palm Sunday, they will have heard Peter just completely biff. Just <laughs> he, com- he just he completely falls flat uh, and uh, denies Christ and all that. And so here he is. This is for some people the next time they'll see Peter showing up, and he's like, "Let me tell you, he's he's preaching like Tony Robbins on his best day or something." <laughs> Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with deeds of power, and then he he just goes through it. And the reason this reading is here is basically for the congregation to hear Peter's first sermon describing the resurrection. So now we're in the time of the resurrection, and Peter says that you crucified and killed uh, Jesus, but God has raised him up. And what is then amazing is that this is um, uh, this is Peter inviting people who were responsible, or at least around during his death, inviting them to put their faith in him. Um, and he, he has this stuff about David in here, King David. That's right. You know, this is several centuries ago. And he points like Peter's speaking in Jerusalem. And so, yeah, David's tomb is there. Jerusalem was a city that was where the Jebusites lived from the time of the Israelite conquest of the Holy land, uh, for centuries. It was, um, sort of the, the, the people of Israel were never able to take the city until King David did it. Um, and you can read about it in Second Samuel uh, chapter five, I believe. And he has to go up a water route. Anyways, it's a lot yeah, to talk about. I wouldn't we put that in the sermon. It. But all that to say, don't put that. Don't talk about the water shaft that David had to climb up to take the city. <laughs> Just talk about the fact that it's a real place. Uh, and that David is there and David wasn't it. Yeah. Like David was a political military leader. And the reason that's important is because people wanted Jesus to be that too. Jesus was um, heralded as the people by the people as the son of David who would put a chicken in every pot and lower taxes and 
get good schools and kick out the Romans and um, all the good things would happen if Jesus was king and Jesus died and rose again. So he's basically saying that the the project of David was all to point to Jesus. Yeah. David died mm-hmm. and is buried and end of story. And someone else had to come because the human problem was much bigger than a political leader or a, a political problem or anything like that. The human problem was death and sin. And so Jesus has defeated both, and that's the main point. So that's Peter's sermon, and if you want to talk about it in terms of how this can relate to your congregation, is that while Jesus may not solve all of your problems on a day-to-day basis, he does solve your biggest mm. ones, which is the fact that you will die, and that you are a sinner, and um, and simply ordering from a menu um, is an existential crisis for you, um, because you are filled with all the things you should or should not do, or Making a decision about where to send your kids, private or public schooling, is an existential crisis for you, or whether you should marry this person. All these things, we're all mixed up. We're just a mixed bag of people, anxiety, stories in our heads, all that. And the Bible kind of puts it all under this idea of of sin, meaning we want our own way, not God's way. And we're basically self-absorbed, anxious creatures. And Jesus comes to deal with all that. So, Jacob Smith, who is not self-anxious, self-absorbed, or anxious, what else would you add to this? Well, you've, you've said a lot. I might want to touch on uh, David trying to get out of that trench. No, <laughs> just kidding. But, yeah. Um, yeah. No, I th- Warren Shaft, which was discovered by this is This is, I mean, this is yeah. very important. This is a very important passage. And uh, it's, um, remember when you're reading Acts chapter 2, everybody wants to focus on the tongues and the, and the, the fire and all of this that's coming on Pentecost. But this really is the heartbeat of Genesis, uh, I mean, of Acts chapter 2, Peter's sermon right here. And he stands with the eleven and raises his voice and addresses the crowd. And so there is something that is profoundly different between the Peter, yeah, around the coal fire and the Peter who's now at this moment. And this is a Peter who's been converted. This is a Peter who spent uh, 50 days with Jesus or 40 days with Jesus and now on the 50th has been filled with Christ's presence by the power of the Holy Spirit. And uh, what he does is he's standing in front of, I mean, it could be David's tomb, but he's standing in the city of David. And as you said earlier, David was, I mean, David's the George Washington. There's not much political hope right now in our country. But, you know, people are like, oh, I long for the days of John F. Kennedy. Oh, I long for the days of Abel, you know, I long for the days of George, whatever it may be. People were longing for the days of David. And David died. There was always this kind of, he's dead, you know? And so, um, but David had this psalm, and this is the opening part. I saw the Lord before me, and you have made known to me the ways of life, and you will make full uh, of gladness with your presence, but you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One experience corruption. And, uh, mm-hmm. and the point that he's making is that David wasn't the Messiah, uh, this is about someone else. This is about the death and resurrection of Jesus. You know, you come to New York City and you'll see the um, you'll see the Lubavitch uh, Hasidism, and they believe that um, their uh, rabbi uh, Rabbi Menchum uh, was uh, is the Messiah. And 
that they're all fascinated with, but he's still in the tomb. And uh, David is still in the tomb. And so what Peter is saying is that this isn't about David. This is about someone greater than David. This one whom you crucified, um, Jesus, is um, the one whom David foresaw and that God made a promise that his throne would never end. And so this is why David could say the things that he said. So the point of this, that he will not abandon to Hades nor let the uh, flesh experience corruption, because Jesus is the one whom God has raised up. Jesus is the descendant of David. And so the point of Acts chapter 2, what Peter is doing is, is one, this transformation. He's been a witness to it. And this what he's witnessed to, Jesus' resurrection, is a connection to the Old Testament and to David so that this isn't an, a new religion, but this is uh, the very fulfillment of what they've all been hoping for. And Jesus' yep. resurrection is the hope and fulfillment of what you've been longing for, too. The thing that I love Luke does here as he quotes Peter's sermon is where he says, Peter says, this man handed over to you according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. So Uh. this is deep waters, preachers, if you want to go into this. But this is basically saying, to quote Chris Isaac, baby did a bad, bad thing. Like you did a bad thing. You crucified and killed this person. Uh, You handed him over to the Romans who killed him. Um, And in the great left-handed work of God, that mysterious work of God, uh, that that was God's plan. You, you, you know, it's just the dark places in life. God is at work. And this isn't, he wants them to know that this isn't like a story I'm making up to kind of whitewash the failure of the Messiah that I followed and something like that. Like, no, this was God's plan for the, from the beginning that Jesus be killed um, and that he be raised from mm. the dead. Yeah. So, uh, so there's something I think you can you can talk about there that uh, sometimes things look dark and like we failed, but God's plan is never thwarted. God always does what God wants to do, and He's a God who raises the dead. Mm. So that's something else yeah. if you want to tackle something big and existential yeah. on the second. And that's a that's a very powerful bridge into the epistle reading today. You know. Um, Uh, This is um, dear Peter preaching once again to his church. He's writing this letter, and he opens up with an exclamation, like an Easter exclamation, because these people who he's writing to are suffering persecution. They've been kicked out of their synagogues. Um, They're being alienated from their families. They're losing their jobs and their livelihoods. All of these things. I mean, um, a life being rough is not new. I mean, and that's a that's mm. good news on one level. You know, the worst news you could ever get from a doctor is, hmm, I've never seen that before. <laughs> that mole, holy moly, what's going on? You know, what you want to hear is, um, we understand. We've seen this. And so yeah. um, Peter opens up with this. I mean, it almost would shake you out of your navel gazing. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he tells them why, because we've been given a great mercy uh, that's given us new birth. We've been born again into something very specific, a living hope, not a dead hope, but a yeah. living hope, because it's in Jesus who's ascended at the right hand of the Father. 
um, because he's resurrected from the dead, and it's into an inheritance that's three things. And remember, an inheritance isn't something you've earned, but this inheritance is imperishable. It can't. It's not like mm-hmm. going to get moldy. Uh, the message of the gospel never gets moldy, and that's why we tell people preach it all the time. Just think about all the life tip sermons you've heard uh, uh, t- from 20 years ago. They're completely irrelevant to your life yeah. today. But the gospel that Christ has died for you, risen for you, and is coming again for you, man, that is impar- That doesn't get moldy. You know, um, uh, it is not undefiled and it is not unfading, but it is being kept for you in heaven. I mean, that is like such good news. And that's what you've been given in Jesus Christ. You know what else doesn't get moldy? Mm. Twinkies. Is that, that's a fact. They last like forever. <laughs> You see that thing? There was somebody who put like a McDonald's Happy Meal in their closet. Yes. Like Twenty years later, found it. And mm. It was totally fine. A little dry, but yeah. Mold in well, there. So, you know what else doesn't? You know what else doesn't like get moldy? Peeps. Peeps. Peeps don't get moldy, man. <laughs> Let me tell you, uh, the coconut sprinkles may get a little stale and stuck in your teeth, but man, uh, that marshmallowy goodness is still good news. Fifty I mean, days going in. Back to uh, Acts chapter two, that reading from earlier. You won't let your Holy One experience corruption. You know what else doesn't experience corruption? Peeps. Peeps. All right. So uh, the non-moldy gospel, you heard it here. I think one of the wonderful things about this First Peter chapter 2, First uh, Peter chapter as well, is the fact that it talks about the reality of suffering in the life of the Christian. And to your point about life tip sermons and how, I mean, how those sound good at the time, but kind of fall flat. It's just because of the ongoing reality of suffering in life of the Christian. And here Peter says, you have a living hope uh, and you have an inheritance, by the way, hope and inheritance, both are words that point to the future, not something that you have in your hands right now. And this uh, inheritance is kept in heaven for you. And even as he says, for a little while, you've had to suffer various trials. Again, that is, that's part and parcel. That is normal for the Christian is to go through those things. So uh, I think there can be a word of comfort. There's so many Christians that, that I think uh, are made to feel, well, people are made to feel ashamed because their life, they're not, they haven't hacked their life. They haven't uh, optimized their life. They haven't gotten everything kind of perfect. And um, But this reality of suffering is something that is true for us. That's and right. Thankfully, we have a God who has saved us and will save us. As Peter says, when Jesus Christ yeah. is revealed. And it's that good news of the gospel that um, when transmitted and preached clearly uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit dwells deep in our hearts that um, enables us. And I love this. It's like, so our our faith isn't our faith isn't rooted in some sort of kind of experience or something like that. It's rooted in these words. It's rooted in this proclamation. And when these words come by the power of the Holy Spirit, well, then you can make the same confession as every Christian up to this point, because Peter's, remember, he's dealing with the church that never met Jesus, you know? And so right. he says, although you've not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not mm-hmm. see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with indescribable and uh, glorious joy for you receiving the outcome of your faith for the salvation of your souls. And that is like, come what may, I'm clinging to this cross, the old rugged cross, on a hill, yeah, man. far away. All right. Elvis does that the uh, best. I know we're gonna we're gonna have to have like a sing along episode. Yeah. Okay, 
So turning now to somebody told me this week they they were singing Jesus Christ Superstar because of this podcast. I think I spelled <laughs> it out on the current episode. So you're welcome. Uh, John chapter 20, the story, evening on that day. So this is uh, the first Easter Sunday evening. So this is post uh, ham and uh, whatever family gathering you had, post Easter egg hunt, post peeps gorging. Uh, you had to let your belt out because you ate so many peeps. And so there they are, and the doors of the house are locked. They're still afraid, which yeah. is interesting. Again, mm-hmm. Jesus has been resurrected, but that doesn't always mean that everything's well, kind of perfect. They, some people don't quite get they it. They haven't met him yet. You know what I mean? And so these guys yeah. all did. Uh, so he's resurrected. So something's come back from the dead. And uh, yeah. what is he going to do? Is he going to shoot uh, laser beams out at us? What What's going to happen here? This is uh, this is a big deal. So they should be terrified. And the, which is why it's so wonderful that the first words out of his mouth Yes. He's not, I've got a bone to pick with you, or, <laughs> all right, now it's time to settle. Peter, you denied me. Now I'm here to, uh, it's time to pay the piper. That's right. Uh, it's peace be with you. It says peace be with you. Everything's fine. Uh, I remember when I um, was trying to help somebody wash their car. I was a college student in California, and uh, I was trying to impress this girl who was washing her car. I was like, oh, I'll help you, and we had to move the car. I didn't know how to drive a stick. Long story short, I put a big old dent in the side of this vehicle, and I had to go tell the person who owned the car what had happened. And he was sort of an ex-hippie, and I was expecting the hammer of God's law to fall on me from this guy. You know, punishment, recrimination, all that sort of it's stuff. It's common with hippies, and, uh, no matter what they say. Yeah, they're, they're totally, <laughs> yeah. It seemed nice, but uh, no, but this guy was like, that's all right, man. It's just material possessions. That's amazing. And it was like one of the most most powerful experience of grace because you're expecting that, you know, he's just going to drop a bomb on me. But instead he said, you're, you're free to go. And that's what Jesus says here. First words, peace be with you. You're mm-hmm. off the hook. And he shows them, as I said, his hands and his side, which there's so many things we get out of that one. His resurrection is real and physical. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. It's, he's not Casper the ghost. That's right. Uh, and interestingly, his resurrection body, his glorified resurrection body still bears the scars of his earthly yeah. life, which I think is a beautiful picture of, of what our Christian understanding of the next life is, that it's not one where um, everything is forgotten, but somehow everything, even the painful things in our lives are, are redeemed and still still yeah. part of the story. I love that. Well, he'll bear, he bears the scars, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. as a testimony of the fact that, you, you know, you have been forgiven and uh, you won't bear them at all. But I love this part too. He breathes on them and they receive the Spirit. And he gives them a very powerful word here. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. And if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Um, Just by, I mean, not that necessarily this would be the heartbeat of your preaching, but uh, your job is not to retain sins. (laughs) That's not the thing like, "Mm, you decide. No, the point is your job is to forgive sins. Um, they have been forgiven, and so have you been forgiven. And so the point there is, is uh, forgive, forgiveness is to be lavished. And, uh, and uh, because he is resurrected from the dead for the forgiveness of sins. And so, but then we yeah. have uh, Thomas, who, like that great song, I was in the right place, but must have been the wrong time. Where in the world was Thomas? You know, was he out getting milk? Uh, was he grocery shopping? But clearly he missed it. And, uh, and he yeah. missed the excitement. And he is uh, livid. And he's livid. He doesn't believe. One of the points here is that he wasn't breathed on. So, uh, you know, the faith, their eyes being opened, comes by the fact that Jesus breathed on them and gave them the spirit. 
And so, but uh, Thomas there ha doesn't have it, and so he's stubborn, and he wants proof. Wants proof. I hope the Lord had brushed his teeth. What? <laughs> you know, when someone breathes on you. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, well, I bet you it was meant to fresh he, because he's the resurrected had, Jesus. Yeah, definitely wasn't a cinnamon smell. I'll tell you that. That's the one smell yeah, I can't no, stand. But um, you want you want the mint. But you know, okay. I think that here here's an interesting point. You know, like doubt is not to be celebrated. This isn't the thing. Everybody's like, you know, wants to start. That is so good to see uh, you say you that. You know, yes. just everybody's got doubts. I got doubts. You got doubts. Like nobody cares. They are coming to hear that their minister like believes this. You know what I mean? Yes. And so if you're doubting, that's great. But keep it to yourself on this Sunday. I will say there is there's sort of this like popular trend in the Episcopal Church and in the mainline denominations to sort of say, hey, hey everybody, doubt's cool. Yeah, let's celebrate cool. doubt. Doubt's awesome. We don't know anything. We're just here. Now let's sing a hymn about stuff we don't <laughs> We're believe. We're all on a journey. So, like, yeah, let me tell and, you, and, let me, I mean, let, we, that's great being on a journey, but nobody, I, I tell you what, I'm happy to get on a Greyhound bus to go somewhere, but I want to know where. But I better get to Tulsa. Yeah, I want to know where it's going, and I better get there. No one's just riding a Greyhound bus for the fun of it, and no one's just going to your church to like cruise around. They want to know there's a yeah, destination. Yeah, just to hear like we don't know anything. Yeah, Good come luck. on. Um, there's, uh, and I will say, and we lost 15 more this listeners. Is me. That's I'm, all right. I'm like. Jason's the bad cop. I'm the good cop. In case you haven't realized, I will say the good <laughs> Jacob. The the good thing about the sort of uh, doubt is okay sermon is that it is clearly a part of this passage. The fact that it's recorded in Testament is amazing. It's sort of normalizing that doubt is an experience that even Christians have, and Jesus here beautifully does not shame Thomas at all, and he. He is so gracious and humble. The same kind of attitude that Jesus has with washing the feet of his disciples. He shows again here, like, Thomas, look, if what you need is to put your finger in the in the spear wound and in my nail holes in my hand, then here I am. Like, do it. I'm right here for you. Um, so uh, it does normalize the reality of doubt in the life of the believer. And so uh, yeah. don't hear us saying, if you have doubt, you should be ashamed. Right. What we're saying is the sermon that says like, "Hey, doubt's normal." Then end of sermon, like that, like the pa that's not what the passage is trying to communicate. It's trying to communicate doubt is normal, and Jesus is still for you, invites you. Well, and I, just, I think about he, yeah, he, like, he he's for you, and he arrives, and but he what he tells he he he. He comes to Tom, and I don't think Thomas actually literally like. There's that famous Caravaggio painting where Thomas is sticking his hand in Jesus. I, I don't think that that actually happened. You know, it's and not the, in the text. And the fact it is, is that Jesus like rolls up yeah. and uh, actually uh, the wounds. Thomas's doubts are consumed by the wounds of Jesus as well. And this becomes the proclamation point: is that Jesus says, you know, do you believe because you've seen? And he says, but um, have you believed this because you've seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. A.K.A. I'm not doing this for every Tom, Dick, and Harry. Uh, you are like the world is going to need to rely on the word that's preached, but it comes with the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, and this is the point. It goes to the word, and this is why it ends with this thing. Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. Uh, but these right here, uh, these are written so that you will experience a profound miracle in your life. And it's not Jesus showing up to your doorstep with his wounds, but that you might hear these words and you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah as well. Faith comes by hearing. And uh, this is, uh, you're right, doubt um, 
doubt is 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 uh, doubt is what's the word I'm looking for is um, salvage. I, I can help you. You're on your own. Uh, doubt is salvaged in the wounds of Christ, and there is a distinction yeah. between doubt and like being a skeptic. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, skepticism is like one who's entrenched in their own ignorance. Uh, doubt uh, may need to hear a word, and um, and that word comes in Jesus and says, do not doubt, but believe. Uh, two things. I want to say that uh, I want to see if Jake can guess what music video from the 1990s I'm thinking of that relates to the imagery of this passage. Any guesses? What, what's in my brain? Oh, I thought you were going to give me a hint. <laughs> uh, no, I don't. Michael Stipe. That's your hint. Oh, um, no, I don't know. Uh, R.E.M.'s Losing My Religion. Oh, yeah. Is in that that's video, me in the corner. Which is one of the top. Yeah. Me, that's me in the corner. Uh, it's got a thing where a guy's got a wound in his side and some dude's like poking oh, around really? his finger. Oh, really? That's interesting. Very much like this passage. So uh, the, uh, the, thing is, the important thing I want to talk about is um, Thomas is an example of somebody who is – he doesn't want to be a sucker. He has been hurt. He's grieved. And trust is hard for somebody who's going through grief and feels like they've put all their trust in something and it's come to nothing. So Thomas has put all his trust in Jesus. He's given up everything. He's followed him. And it's all come to naught. And Thomas is trying to protect against disappointment again. If you've ever said, like, I'll, you know, I've, my heart got broken. I'll never love again. Like, that's sort of what's going on here. Like, I, mm. unless, I, unless I really – I'm not going to take your word for it. I'm not going to be a sucker again. I, so I think there's something here about um vulnerability which is scary and hard and um and it's yet it's something that jesus here again just graciously meets and provides this place of safety thomas what do you need you need to see the wounds well here they are um uh, if if you need this to 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 believe let me give this to you and i think um as as the passage says there are people who will not see this and yet come to believe. But I do think Jesus is the same today, yesterday, today, and forever, and, and will come to you and will often, I find he gives people what they need in the form of a community or a church or something um, to, to invite their, so they'll be able to make a step of faith. I, I remember I went to a high school retreat. This was with Young Life in North Carolina in the early 1990s, definitely peak REM time. And I heard the presentation that the speaker gave at this retreat, the gospel, at Windy Gap. And, but I was kind of a teenage agnostic, not quite atheist, but pretty close. And I, I didn't accept Jesus into my heart. And so the next morning they said, okay, everybody who accepted Jesus, go to this room, and the people will talk to you about how to grow in your faith. The people who recommitted their life to faith will go in this room and will uh, you know, help you with whatever you need. Uh, we'll give you a free Amy Grant album. And then if you uh, are still having questions, go to this room. And I went to that room and the speaker there, uh, um, I remember I was saying, like, I have all these doubts. I don't know if I can believe this. I don't know about science and religion. I don't know about the truth of the Bible. And can we trust it? And is this Jesus I stuff all made up? It sounds too good to be true. I believe in science. <laughs> the quote, es Esqueleto <laughs> from Natural Libre. And, um, and the, the speaker said, it's some of the best advice I've ever was ever given it said, look, y your doubts are normal and natural and you can, you know, basically stay outside with your questions um, and try to get them all figured out on your own. 
Or you can step inside, you know, open the door, come into the Jesus space. Um, but you can bring your questions with you. You know, the Lord can handle your questions. You can bring them along, and maybe maybe you'll be able, with His help, to find some answers that are satisfying to you. You don't have to figure them out on your own. So it was, I was invited to say, you know, you can bring bring your questions. If you have doubts, bring those. Like, God can ha- handle those too. And so, I don't know... Uh, uh, you know what? So that that that's definitely my like doubting Thomas moment, and it was that graciousness of God showing up in my life at that time in a way that didn't shame me because I had questions, but invited me to bring them in, told me that God can handle them. So that's that's my little doubting doubting Aaron story. Um, and I think um, if you on this Sunday, whichever story you preach, whichever reading you preach on, whether it's the Acts reading or the First Peter reading or the John reading, the thing that's seen over and over again is this idea of as you said, Jake, Jesus defeating death and sin and giving us this message of the gospel, which is the power of salvation um, for all who for all who believe. Anything, any PSs, any last hot takes? No, I think uh, I think we got it today. I think you know. Remember that our faith uh, our faith rests on um, on a testimony, a testimony that has come from the apostles. And uh, it may not always be helpful, but it most certainly is true. Amen. Well, get some more peeps, and uh, happy Easter, everybody. Somebody's looking. Somebody cares. Somebody wonders what you're doing today. You know we crucified him, buried him, but three days later, well, the stone got rolled away. And yes, Thanks for listening to Same Old Song. Hope you found some gospel nuggets for the pulpit or for your life. If you like what you heard, leave a review or rating in Apple Podcasts. Dave Zoll will be sad if you don't. Thanks to TJ Hester for audio production. And remember to keep that Bible by your bedside, ready to rock and roll.